This is episode number 040 of the Reno Slant, and it's scoreboard watching season. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schaub. We have some good Nevada baseball news this week. The Pack needed a sweep at San Jose State last weekend, and the Pack got a sweep at San Jose State last weekend. Adam and I will get into what now needs to happen for Nevada. Uh, the Pack is on by for the final Mountain West regular season weekend, so it is scoreboard watching season for Nevada. For the second straight week, we got two guests on the show, not one, but two we have Nevada baseball great Austin Byler. He is all over the Nevada record books. We had a really fascinating, who he has a really fascinating story, I should say, and had a really candid conversation. Uh, he's up to a really couple, a couple really exciting projects right now, and we certainly did some reflecting on his time at Nevada and his professional career. We also have Zane Meeks on the show this week. He kind of did the media tour this past week. Uh, the second commit of the Steve Alford era, he did sign last week at 6'9". What is it like being that tall? Like, <laughs> it's kind of hard to think about. What is it like being recruited by several schools and coaches? And what visits did he turn down when committing to Nevada? Uh, because Nevada is on by this week, we're not going to preview the Nevada baseball series because there isn't one coming up. But what we will do is take a quick look at Air Force and San Jose State because the outcome of that series is going to decide whether or not Nevada advances to the Mountain West Conference Tournament. So what needs to happen in that tournament? What are we looking for? And then Adam and I will share predictions as well. For slants, we're doing games of the weekend, pro dudes, social, and random Reno. Our iTunes five-star review of the week is brought to you as always by our friends over at Toyabi Golf Club. The iTunes five-star review of the week comes from DC Reno. He says, consistently fun listening to everything Reno sports related. Enjoyed hearing Kane Milling from France talking about his background and journey to Nevada basketball. Hashtag the biggest little podcast in the world. Obviously had Kane Milling on the show last week. So DC Reno, we appreciate you. We appreciate the review. Please get in touch with us one way or another, and we will send you Golf for Two at Toyabi Golf Club. If you, listening right now, have not left an iTunes review of the week yet, and you like golfing, and you especially like golfing for free on a beautiful golf course, all you got to do is slide on over to our iTunes landing page, leave a quick review, a quick review, and you'll be in the running for the iTunes five-star review of the week next week, and maybe you and a friend are going to go hit Toyabi. I saw that it did hit 80 degrees in Reno early this week, starting to be summer-ish. And then it looks like the summer is going to take a break. (laughs) They moved graduation to Lawler. That's a brutal break for for the senior class. But whether you are looking for a new course in Reno or looking to play an incredible golf course again, you need to check out Toyabi Golf Club, you guys. It's a quick drive down 395 south from Reno in Washoe Valley, I was actually cleaning out my car the other day, and I found a Toyabi scorecard from last summer. <laughs> it shows you how often I clean out my car. Uh, you guys know by now that Toyabi Golf Club is open to the public. Make sure you book your tee time today at toyabigolfclub.com. And I would like to add, 
Toyabi was recently acquired by Duncan Golf Management, and they are offering the best membership deal in Reno. Four courses in Reno for as little as $300 a month. That includes cart, that includes range balls, it includes all the golf you want. Uh, I did not go golfing this past weekend. It was a third straight weekend. I did not hit the links. I'm not going to go again this weekend or next weekend. And I'm starting to get nervous that, Adam, that you're going to beat me now. I feel you haven't been golfing either, though, right? You know, I'm sad to say that I have not been once this year. So okay, I'm safe I, actually. I'm yeah, safe. you're 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 doing all right. I mean, but with that with that uh, Duncan rate they got going on, I might I might have to find myself. That, that is a good deal. It's a smoking deal that if you think of the course. If you think of the courses they're offering. Uh, if you are c- more committed to the links than I am right now, and especially more committed than Adam is right now, or you're just looking to mix up the look on the golf course, you guys got to visit TipsyElves.com. Tipsy Elves wants to suit you up for all of life's biggest moments and certainly the, the fun moments. That means the golf course. It means Tahoe. It means the crawls in Reno. It means festivals. I know there are a few of you listening right now who are on your way down to Vegas this weekend for EDC. I will see you guys out there. And if you want something fun to wear, Tipsy Elves has you. We had a conversation with co-founder and read alum Nick Morton back on episode 017. So start putting together your summer wardrobe together today at tipsyelves.com and exclusively for you guys. For the Reno Slant listeners, promo code SLANT20 earns you 20% off checkout at tipsyelves.com. That's promo code SLANT20 for 20% off checkout at tipsyelves.com. So Nevada Baseball basically started the playoffs last weekend going to San Jose State. Didn't have one Mountain West Conference sweep to its name. Needed to go on the road and beat San Jose State three straight games. And what does Nevada do? It wins game one, three, one. It wins game two, three, two in 11 innings. And then wins game three, three, two. So sweeps the weekend with a run differential of four. <laughs> three really close games. I'll, I'll start with you, bro. What is something that you really took away or uh, one of your big thoughts from the weekend? Well, big thought from the weekend is it's going to rely on you. I need you to tell to tell my big dumb brain and anybody else who has a big dumb brain listening of how Nevada can advance. <laughs> what is our, what's our what's our situation? How about this? This is called a tease, and we will get to that later in the show. Ooh, tease. That's right. it's called it's called a tease. We'll, we'll get to that after we hear from Austin Byler and Zane Meeks. But I, I do want to start with this. We, you can point to the fact that San Jose State has now lost 16 of 17 games. 16 of 17 games. They are in an absolute free fall. That said, that's a gutsy-ass weekend from Nevada. Gutsy. San Jose State struggling. Nevada, like they rolled into that weekend red hot. They had not swept a, a series the entire season in conference play. They are on the road. They're playing a team that also was fighting for its playoff fate, and San Jose State still technically isn't eliminated. But you're on the road, three straight elimination games. San Jose State is better at home. They entered the weekend 12-7 and seven, playing on their home field. And considering that Nevada had lost 6-8 of eight going into that series, and they found a way to get it done, that's gutsy. And we talked about manning up the Fresno series, and that did not happen. It was the other end of the spectrum. They found a way to make it happen this past weekend. 
And that was awesome to see, considering this has been a frustrating season for them. This is not the situation they wanted to be in. And they still found a way to give themselves a chance by winning three really close ball games on the road. So that that was fun to see. And the team deserves a lot of credit, regardless of what happens this coming weekend. They deserve credit for going to San Jose State and doing what they needed to do. Yeah, I mean, the team, you know, they put themselves in the situation they were in. But, I mean... Like you said, credit due to them is when it came down to crunch time. I mean, they they came out, they yeah. performed, they won the games they needed to win. They got if you think about last weekend and the offense putting up three runs in each game. My hat is off to the pitching. Pitching's absolutely dynamite. Mm-hmm. If you were to tell me that Nevada was going, I mean, granted there is I will give a lit not a full asterisk, a half asterisk because it's San Jose State. But if you were to tell me Nevada is going to go on the road this season score three runs in all three games, and sweep the series, Yeah, I would tell you you're BSing me. <laughs> I mean, I would not think that – I mean, just the way the production had been, the consistency. I'd, you know, I'd, you score nine runs in three games on the road. You take away any not team. Pl- yeah, you take away any team. I don't care who you're playing against. I'm going to say at least one of those games you're going to drop. So yeah. hats, off to the, hats off to the pitching. They kept it in. I mean – to be able to be in that low scoring of a game in collegiate baseball in quote unquote playoff time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very impressive. It's impressive. And it's, 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 it's been the, I mean, the story of Nevada sports is like when the time came down, I'm going to skip the Nevada basketball against Florida. Cause that's in its own story, <laughs> but what a conference you look, tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Or the Utah tournament. state game. Hey, hey, hey or San we're, Diego state ba- basketball has got its own blur, but you want to talk about football when they're in their bowl game, now this against San Jose State, it's like you know Nevada's done some stuff to put themselves in funny positions all year. But I mean, it's nice, and I enjoy it. I like. <laughs> <laughs> That's the it's the San Jose State. Uh, I don't know what you would call it, but man, they stink. Remember when they were in first place for like the first half of the conference season, and we were looking around and saying, "What is going on here?" Yeah, it's like okay, San Jose State's in first place. We were literally just. With pitchforks outside the university saying, "Get out of the mount, get out of the Mountain West." This is this that, is the law of averages coming in so hot right now. <laughs> yeah, ex- oh, it's what it is. It's definitely what it is. My, my next thing I wanted to go to, which is piggybacking off what you said, that was an unbelievable effort from the pitching staff. We've talked about their struggles lately, their inconsist their inconsistencies of late, and they came through when the team needed them because the offense was not great this past weekend, and the pitching staff was the sole reason Nevada was able to leave with, with three wins, was able to get back on the bus with three wins. The starters went a combined 17 and a third innings. They only allowed two runs. That was, as far as I'm concerned, all things considered, that's their best weekend of the year. This is the San Jose State team that was last in the Mountain West, averaging 4.8 runs per game before the series, and we talked about that. That was not a particularly scary offense. Nevada held them to five all weekend. And whether you're playing an Oregon State squad or you're playing San Jose State, giving up five runs an entire weekend on the road is freaking impressive. Uh, one of the things we talked about last week as well was limiting the walks. because That's a San Jose State team that earns a lot of walks. And mm-hmm. Nevada gave up 12, which is not atrocious. It's, it's not good either. Um, but it, they didn't beat themselves entirely by giving up free passes. You look at what some of the bullpen guys did. Bradley Bonenfant saved, saved the season 
in game two, the 11 innings, he throws the final three and a third innings, gives up two hits, no runs, and gets the win in that one in 11 innings. And we've talked about Grant Ford a lot this season out of the bullpen. I think you can make a case for him being the MVP of the team so far this season, and he was named the Mountain West Pitcher of the Week. He appeared in three games, if you include the loss to Sac State. But over the weekend, he threw five innings. He got the win in game one. He got the save in game three. And over those five innings, he gave up one hit. One. The bullpen has been the strength of this team. And those two dudes especially wanted to highlight, especially Grant. I mean, both of them deserve it. Um, just the It was kind of symbolic of what the season has been for Nevada. I mean, the offense has come and gone, but the, the bullpen has really been the most consistent part. I mean, there, there are certainly some games where uh, they had a let, let down, but this weekend they, they were incredible. Yeah, coming to crunch time when you need them most. And if they've been, you know, part of the squad that you've been piggy, piggying on all year, I mean, that's, that's all you could want. Mm-hmm. The other part, too, you think about it, we went to extras again in game two. What did we do in extras? We obviously <laughs> won. So I don't care what it is. I don't care who we're playing. We need to go to extra innings because we have only lost one game all season when we went to extras, and that was at St. Mary's, 5-6 loss in 12 innings. But aside from the extra inning point. How many extra, inning, what, what's, how many extra innings wins? I know they were good. Do you have the record in front of you? Uh, we got one, two, three against Oregon State, loss against St. Mary's, four UNLV five against San Diego state and yes, yeah, so a five. So we're five and six or five, five and one. one, five nice. and one. The other thing too, is like, we got to go against ourselves. You and I both did not back the pack. Something <laughs> I am not proud of. <laughs> we went, we both said two for three. We were going to go to uh, two and one this weekend. I, 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 I prefer to position it as we fired them up. We gave them motivation because we know the entire team was listening last week on their way over to San Jose state. Hey, we we know on that bus that the Reno slant was blasting through yep. the speakers. Yep, and they absolutely. were saying, and they were saying those little pieces of s words. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think we're gonna do it. So, <laughs> uh, my last thing, and, and then we'll we'll um, continue talking about a baseball with Austin Byler. What's my favorite stat this season? How are we doing with six runs or more? And Nevada barely broke six runs in, in the first two games. Um, when scoring six-plus runs this year, Nevada is now 18-2. and two. That includes the 9-2 uh, weekday win over Pacific on, on Tuesday. They have now gone seven straight games without scoring six-plus runs. It's obviously not great timing, considering what this team, the situation they're in, and hopefully playing playoff baseball for real next weekend if they are fortunate enough to get in the Mountain West Conference tournament, they got to get the sticks going. Scoring nine runs in three games is not going to do it in the Mountain West Conference tournament. Something we talked about last week was the amount of guys that San Jose State walks. They lead the Mountain West walking over five guys a game. Five, which is just an astronomic amount. Over the weekend, Nevada struck out 26 times and drew six walks. So as great as the, the pitching staff was... It was a disappointing offensive weekend. There, there's no way around it. I mean, fortunately, they scratched and clawed and got enough across to, to win those games. Baseball is a team game. Nevada won because of the arms. The, the bats were, were a disappointment. If Nevada is going to make a run in, in the Mountain West Conference Tournament, 
what we've seen of late is a little bit troubling. Seeing them score nine against Pacific was nice. Again, that's Pacific. It's a midweek game. You're throwing against a weekday hey, starter. Hey, with hey, a hey, 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 hey. Win's a win, baby. Win's a win. I'm I'm not saying, but I'm but I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? I know you're saying. <laughs> I'm picking I'm mopping up what you're spilling. Picking up what I'm putting down. Okay. So uh let, let's go here from Austin now. Uh, Austin, it was so much fun having him on. He's one of the best Nevada players ever in the program. And he was drafted in the ninth round of the 2015 draft by Washington. He's the top ten. He's in the top ten in program history. In okay, buckle up here. He is fourth in home runs with 39. He's fifth in walks with 115. He's fifth in triples with 11. He's sixth in games played with 209. He's seventh in at-bats with 757. He's seventh in doubles with 50. He's eighth in runs with 180. And he's eighth in hits with 242. So very fair to say that Austin was that dude when he was at Nevada. And he's had a really an interesting journey now from going to pro ball. He got hit with a 50-game suspension after his rookie season playing in the Nationals organization. He decided to leave baseball last year, and he's now doing Major League University, where he's really focusing on the mental aspect of game or of the game with, with today's youth. Really candid conversation with Austin. It was so much fun having him on, and uh, here that is. Austin, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on. It was kind of funny. Last night as I was prepping, figuring out what questions I was going to ask you, um, and our girlfriends are friends, and I asked Tara, hey, hey, what should I ask Austin first? And she goes, uh, ask him what his favorite ice cream flavor is. <laughs> so, so, so we'll start We'll start there with something very serious. What's your go-to? Okay, there's two, and it's changed over time. One, hands down, my pop's makes the greatest homemade peanut butter ice cream you will ever find in the world. Okay. So if you're looking for ice cream around the Christmas time, we'll send it out to you. We'll box it up and go. <laughs> Hopefully we can keep it cold. Um, Rocky Road, though. Rocky, Rocky Road guy. Phenomenal. Big fan of Rocky Road. A little bit of everything. <laughs> I'm a mint chocolate chip guy. Oh, you can't Big go time. wrong. No. You can't go wrong with anything except a fruity flavored ice cream. That's where you go wrong. That's where you draw the line, huh? Yeah, no fruity, no fruitiness in my sweets at all. So no, so no <laughs> strawberry. Strawberry ice cream's out. It is out. I like strawberries, but not strawberry ice cream. Interesting. I'm a chocolate guy. Chocolate you know? guy. All right. Yeah. So obviously, we, we want to get to Major League University, and you got a lot going on with that. Uh, but but first, I kind of really want to start with how much have you been following your college squad because they got a lot. They got a lot going on right now. Yeah, man. Honestly, I haven't followed them a ton, but I did see the three-game sweep on Oregon State, which was incredible, and I see they're in a good position here going into the tournament to do some damage, and it's been fun to see the alma mater just kind of take the take the bull by the horns and have a good season, because I know a lot of the guys on the team still, um, a couple of my friends are still part of the staff, and yeah. it's just really fun to see those guys succeed and have some some good success this year so i'm pulling for him man i'm definitely following him on twitter and instagram and checking in from the from a bird's eye view sure. sure yeah i wanted to ask you because i was looking at the uh the 2015 roster your last year at nevada and it was keaton smith the only one that was on the roster then that is still on the roster keaton smith and then cooper powell and then cooper zach souza was he was part of like our he was part of our catching staff and he's actually 
I don't know what he is now. Maybe the grad assistant or like a volunteer assistant for the squad. Okay. So there's about three or four faces still around, but it's new. It's pretty yeah. new. Does that make you feel old or what? It does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I, I remember that with with my college squad. You know, you always followed it, and then like the years, like I know, I don't know, like three guys in the starting lineup. Now I know one. Now I don't know any, and now I feel old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'm a little out of date, but yeah, yeah I still it's happening. Blue <laughs> for sure, for sure. So uh, let, let, let's go there. I mean, you, you really had an incredible career at Nevada. You're all over the record books. Uh, when when you think back to to your four years at Nevada and, and your time playing at Pacoli, what are some of the things that really jump out? That might be tough to to answer, but I'm sure there are a couple things that maybe come to mind. Number one, first and foremost, man, community. Like it's, I said it at a camp that we did up there um, about two weeks ago, and we had some parents out there for one of the little leagues, and it was just an incredible moment to see everybody that came out there wearing Nevada gear. Like yeah. the whole city bleeds blue, and now I'm living in San Francisco. I've been a couple places now, like throughout my career, and like nobody reps their hometown team like Nevada does, and it's incredible to see. So, man, the first of all, the fans in the community, like they made that all happen. They made this experience incredible for all the athletes that go to that school and and the the ones that are going to be going there in the future. Um, mm-hmm. So, definitely that, and then just camaraderie man with this with the squad like the guys and the relationships that we built with that senior class that i had um working our way up i think there was eight or nine of us from freshman year all the way through senior year that played together and that's just very special for me because we all played a big part of that uh championship squad my senior year and um dude that was incredible to be able to build those relationships and just have fun man it was we call it the bahamas in the mountains <laughs> you're on the field and the turf like it gets hot it melts yeah, yep. the snow but you got the snow on the mountain and it looks beautiful with the backdrop like <laughs> it's the best place in the world man bahamas in the mountains <laughs> i like that i haven't heard that one that's a good one um, yeah, yeah it was yeah. kind of crazy last night clicking around like now i, I don't know just, you get further removed from it but you guys had some dudes on that team your senior year oh man we had a we had a squad and like it's crazy because some of the guys who didn't even play such as tj friedel and like we had a couple freshmen uh cal stevenson jojo romero and they're in double a as well triple a um like just seeing those guys succeed now i'm like oh my gosh man like Mm -hmm. the overall talent was we had a lot of it for sure yeah, you guys go 41 and 15, and that was kind of a, it's, it will, I think it will live as an infamous season, unfortunately, for Nevada baseball, because you guys have this unbelievable regular season. You host the Mountain West tournament. Uh, unfortunately, we go two in a barbecue, and you get snubbed for, for an at large. What was the feeling within the team, and do you still think about that at all? Because that's, that's, uh, that's pretty gnarly. Dude, it's, it comes up a lot. Yeah. Just the snubbing, and, the snubbing is a whole nother topic that we could probably talk four hours on <laughs> because I am biased on that for sure. But overall, man, just knowing that we gave it our all, that we put everything out there, that we had the best opportunity to win, that we had multiple guys come back for that senior season to be a part of that program, to be a part of everything that Nevada represents. It was incredible, man. And it was all headed by Coach Jay Johnson and his yeah. coaching staff. Like That dude just knows how to get guys to play for each other and to play at their best ability and to see that happen and to just be around those guys man it, it was great mm-hmm. but it was also uh 
very disheartening um, for sure. not being able to go into that that deal, man. You get to host your tournament, you go two and out, and then you get snubbed. You're like, come on, man, just yeah. give us a chance. Like we're just chomping at the bit to get back out there because we knew what we had. Like you said, we had a squad, so. Yeah. It was interesting for sure. Is that something after the Mountain West Conference tournament? I mean, what did you guys feel you were in? Did you feel on on the fence? I mean, did you have any sort of idea something like that was coming? So we had a little bit of hope. Um, we had an idea that it probably wasn't going to happen because of that, just the, how we showed up in the conference tournament. Mm-hmm. But there were a few teams that were on the fence as well, such as Oregon, who was like thirty and twenty six, and like Auburn, who was like twenty eight and twenty seven and didn't have good seasons or RPI, but somehow got bids, and we didn't. That's how so it that's goes. where the yeah. Oh, man, that's where the bias comes in, where you're like, dude, put us up against anybody in the country. We'll go out there and smack them. Like, yeah. give us three games, we'll smack them. I guarantee it. And uh, having that confidence as a squad was big. But then again, it also hurt us because we're like, man, we <laughs> – we want to go play and we're not yeah. being able you know we don't have that opportunity again for sure yeah. and, and you mentioned jay johnson after that year just how it works sometimes the arizona gig opens up and, and he gets that job I mean, you were done at nevada your class was I mean, you, that, that was it for you guys in, in reno how did you, that group kind of feel about him leaving i mean do you are you sad that he's not there anymore are you happy for him is it a mix oh i'm so happy for him he did the right thing. He he's had a dream to build an MLB training grounds wherever he goes, and he yeah. wants to be somewhere where he can truly spark that and be there for a while and be locked in somewhere for a while. And he loved Nevada, man. It was one of his favorite places ever. We talk about it all the time. Like We shoot each other texts, calls, whatever it is throughout the season and just give each other some encouragement and and talk about the baseball and, and just Nevada, our memories. It's incredible. But, yeah. um, no, we're all so happy for him, man, and, and we all wanted to play for him. That's why everybody was there. That's why I went back to school. That's why Cal went from Nevada to U of A that next year. And there's so many different pieces that all happened because of him. Yeah. And it was incredible to play for that guy, man. So, some real parallels between your big, talented group you leave, and then, and then Jay leaves, and then what's happened at Lawler this year, big Townsend senior class, and, and then must go. Mm. So I, I got to ask you, I mean, how, have you followed the basketball program much the last couple of years? Dude, I have, and it's been incredible to see that transformation. Yeah. Um, I was went back to school this last fall, so I had a chance. I was interning with the weight room, so I had a chance to be around the basketball team a lot. And to see the amount of discipline and dedication that those – they were there every day all day it was like man i can't get rid of these guys they were around the whole time <laughs> and it was awesome because they're they're pumped like everybody's so excited to come to the yard everybody's mm-hmm. so excited to come to the the court i guess you would say and yeah. to see that and to know that there's like man something special about this group it was fun to be a part of that and just witness that firsthand so if we if we come back now to to you specifically i mean after that your senior year you get drafted in the ninth round uh by by the nats what is something about minor league baseball that people who maybe casually follow baseball or don't follow the sport at all, what is something that you maybe find yourself explaining or what is something that people just flat out don't understand about minor league baseball? That you are not rich. <laughs> That's the number one thing, man. I got buddies who I'll go home for off season. They're like, oh, are you going to buy us a, a table at the bar? Are you going to go buy us our food? Like, come on, dude, buy me this, buy me that. I'm like, dude, I'm making below minimum wage working three times as much as you are in the summer. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me to buy you all this stuff. So that's one thing that they definitely did not um, uh, 
a lot of people don't understand, I guess, yeah. <laughs> which is funny. But hey, you get it a lot, and you just got to explain mm-hmm. it and let them know, hey, this is what it's about, and this mm-hmm. is what we do because we love it. Yeah, you did get a, a little bit of, of a signing bonus. Do you remember what you what you did with that? Yeah, I well, I spent about half of it on student loans, and then I spent yeah. the other half on my car. <laughs> there it goes. Maybe not the best decision, but hey, you live and you learn. <laughs> what what, what, what car did you get? I had a Mustang, 2014, and I loved it. Loved, but it's no longer. No, nope. yeah, yeah, loved. Fast Emphasis tense. on loved. It's no longer uh, <laughs> with us. R.I.P. But hey, it was it was a good car for a couple of years, and uh, now we've moved on to the Honda Civic. <laughs> dude, I, I drive a four cylinder Ford Fusion. So respect. oh, dude, whatever gets the job done. Respect, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you your first year as as a pro rookie ball, you have an awesome year. And this really kind of ties into what you're doing now, and we'll, we'll get to that. And maybe this is something to help lead to that. But you get hit with 50 games, testing positive for, for amphetamines. What was that process like for you, finding out that you got that news? And, and mentally, what was that like? Because getting baseball taken away for any period of time and then it gets out there. I mean, what was that like for you? Oh, man, that was a whirlwind of events for – for a little while it was, it was pretty tough to deal with i'll be honest man mm-hmm. just knowing for me so when it happened i know exactly the date it was in august when we got drug tested it was after a long bus trip from uh utah valley's field so um thinking of the angels in orem utah so yeah. 14 hour bus drive we're cracking we get back at 8 a.m we've got a game the next day whatever take a take an adderall think it's going to be all good um, come to the yard the next day, get drug tested. So I'm like, okay, this sucks. Um, probably screwed. Well, yeah. I don't find out for two and a half months. So I'm like, Ugh. oh, like it, it even passed across my mind. I was like, oh, I'm good. Like we're okay. Um, maybe something went wrong, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, whew, thankfully, no. So crush that season, go into instructs, um, which is basically just when they invite you back to be a part of just a single hand group team that they go out and play mainly high A, double A, triple A competition. Yeah. And I'm crushing it, man. Like I'm having a great instructional league and like everything's just jolly, man. So I get back from a four for four game. (laughs) It's like four and a half hours Mm -hmm. and I'm walking out the bus and I see TP, Tony Paris Chica. He was our uh, infield coordinator at the time. And he's standing there at the, he's like, bye there. And he gives me the, the finger wave and immediately I knew, man, my heart sank. I was like, oh, yeah. no. Go into his office. goes, bother. I think you know why you're in here. Um, this is just kind of how it's going to go. And this is what happened. And blah, blah, blah. Kind of just explained it, broke it down to me on the next steps. And, like, real quick, man, to give the Diamondbacks a huge shout-out. Like, mm-hmm. they were so supportive and amazing. Mike Bell, the scouting coordinator, was incredible. I mean, just the same man. Look, this happened to me as well. It happened to my family. I know it's not easy. You're going to have to answer a lot of tough questions, but we're here for you. Like, we've got you. We love you as a person. We love you as a player. Like, we, you're part of our family. And that was, like, huge. It helped a lot. Yeah. Because it could easily throw me to the shambles and said, hey, man, you're done. Like, get on with your with your year or your career or whatever it is and see ya. But, mm-hmm. no, they're like, like, dude, we're going to protect you, look out for you. Um, but it was tough. <laughs> you had to go yeah. the whole offseason and deal with that and then go and sit 50 games and play an extended spring training, which nobody wants to be at. Right. Like if anybody has ever heard of that, they're like, <laughs> uh, no, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> Sign me up for uh, the waivers yeah. or something like a yeah. hard pass. Um, and it was tough, man, mentally, physically staying in shape, but 
it worked out, man. It worked out for the for the better and mm-hmm. went out, got through it, and, and ended up getting to play a couple more years. Yeah, I, I appreciate you, you sharing that. I mean, I, I know that's probably still something that's, you know, not a, a bright spot for you. But now as you transition to what you're doing now, I mean, you walked away from your playing career last year. Now you're doing Major League University. There's a huge emphasis on the mental side. You're huge into positivity and the power of the mind and a positive mindset. Did that have any impact on you doing what you're doing now? It did. It did because just going through that experience and truly being like in my mind sunk down to the bottom mm-hmm. and like not knowing anything, not like feeling like I was a failure, feeling like I let everybody else down, including myself, like not knowing how to bring it up to my family, to my girlfriend, to uh, the coaches, to people in my life. It was tough. It was not easy yeah. to face. One of the toughest trials, man, that I've ever faced. But I think you got to go through things like that to build you up and to give you experience to provide for the next generation and to provide for somebody else who might be going through that experience and they need your help. Yeah. They need somebody to reach out to. So I learned a lot just about from other people reaching out to me and, and helping me get through that experience that I wanted to pass on to the next generation mm-hmm. and ultimately create MLU. Yeah. So – for, from a high level, I mean, you guys are working on the mental side. You're, you also do, obviously, physical side as well um, of, of baseball. But from your perspective, kind of if you could explain to some people, what is Major League University and, and how's that going? Yeah, man. So we're right now we've, we're a baseball training company focusing on the mental side of the game. Like you said, we've got a few different pieces moving. Um, one, big emphasis on youth baseball camps. Yeah. So camps and clinics, different cities across the world we've got oh man 15 to 20 set up here in the next few months or so that we're hoping to get kind of going through and it's been incredible to give back to the youth man our whole goal is to inspire and and generate um, youth athletes to really chase their dreams and and not be told no not be held back from themselves like don't get in your own way Um, we're here to help we're here to get you through that hump another thing that we're doing is online training Uh, that's through just using um, the Huddle app, helping athletes with the physical part of the game, as well as a peak performance program for mm-hmm. for athletes of all ages, um, all the way up through pro ball. We've got a couple of pro guys that we're working with who are playing independent ball, and we're hoping to really help them out and, and get them back into affiliated ball and feeling good, most importantly, in life. Um, yeah. I think that's a big, big key. And then college peak performance, um, something I've been passionate about as well. We had some people at Nevada come in who really – did an amazing job of coming in, developing leadership amongst our team, unity, helping us feel just wanted and loved and equipping us with some tools to go into the game to perform better, such as our breath and a routine and our yep. identity and some core values. So we're going into colleges, man. And that's what that's our goal, really, is to get in there and to help them peak perform, help these athletes set them up for that transition phase, because ultimately we know maybe 5% of those guys are ever going to go play on after college right and we want to make sure that they're ready when they get out of that college scene to set themselves up for success mm-hmm. at that next level mm-hmm. it, one of the things you said i thought that, that was really interesting i mean the the mental side of baseball it's well documented how how mental baseball is uh but i feel like at, a, at the youth level obviously there's a certain age where they just won't grasp it but it's 
I'd be kind of curious, and you would maybe know the answer to this, where you're starting to see kids maybe start to work on that stuff or, or be taught the mental side. I mean, where do you kind of see that cutoff? Or do you feel that it's still a space that is super green and not really being addressed right now? It's very untapped, like yeah. very, very green. Like you said, it's open. There's not a lot of people talking about it. And there's the coaches, maybe some of them are talking about it, trying to give them some tools. But honestly, even they don't know right. a lot of them. They don't have the right resources to give to these kids. So just from going to these camps, from going and, and talking to a lot of youth athletes, the biggest thing I've noticed is confidence. Mm-hmm. And it scares me in a way because – you have all these kids who are the best athletes of their age, who are in the best shape, who are in the best mindset, you would think, and they don't have confidence. Like, they have confidence issues. You're like, what the heck? Like, what about the, the regular student who doesn't play any sports and just maybe doesn't have any friends or doesn't have that social networking group to go hang out with and feel loved? Sure. So knowing that, we're like, man, we got to get in and help these kids. And like you said, at a certain age, maybe it's not the best thing to bring up to them. Right. So – seventh eighth grade and on through high school is really where we're kind of working into with that side of the game and helping equip those kids get ready for that next level for sure that man that's awesome so how long how long have you guys been doing major league university Mm, it's been about six months now we started up uh last last weekend of uh september so roughly six months or so and really just starting to hit the hit the ground running here these last couple months what's been the toughest part on the back end of setting up a business like that dude oh my gosh <laughs> just all the all the nonsense that you don't want to deal with as right. in like the insurance and the websites which yep. took forever like just learning how to do it my buddy learned qb meyer another nevada alumni yeah. incredible dude learned it all on his own created an amazing website for us uh majorleagueuniversity.com it's beautiful i'm so pumped mm-hmm. about it and then uh just all the, the, the back-end stuff, man, that, you, that nobody ever thinks about. You think you could just go to a camp, show up, and people are going to show up. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Nope. <laughs> I wish. So yeah. growing the social media, growing uh, our following and our fan base and just reaching out to people, contacts that we know, even solidifying our vision. Like It really wasn't solidified till the last month, I would say. Like We were debating doing courses online, doing – training only doing all these different things and we finally just said look this is our vision this is what we're going to attack yeah and it has gone like we've taken so many leaps forward after that well i mean just looking on social i mean social media is one thing reality can be another but you guys are making a pretty strong impression i think on instagram you guys have over five thousand followers already uh that's strong for just being around for six months yeah man i mean we opened up the, the social media i think november 28th and like just within five or six months, we've grown to like almost, I think, 6,000 6, now or something like that. And it's incredible to just see people grasping this and and really taking value from it. And that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the biggest thing. You know, the, the money and everything, that's cool. Like whenever that comes in, like that's going to be down the road. But right now, like having a kid DM you and ask you a question and be like, look, dude, nobody else responds to me. Or yeah. Nobody else answers this or nobody else does this for me. Like, thank you. That's like the biggest reward of gratitude you could ever receive. Yeah, no kidding. I can, I can imagine how, how cool that would be. Uh, you also launched a podcast back in February, so welcome to the club. Uh, yeah. yeah. Byler Bi- Bombs, you're 11 episodes in. Uh, how's the podcast going? 
It's good, man. I wish I had a little better equipment to uh to get it done, but hey, it's it's been going good. It's a lot of fun and just like you, man, I get to learn from other guests and yep. it's like it's so exciting. Like you get to bring somebody on your show, ask them questions about their life, and you learn different tips and tools that you can take with you and you just get to learn and, and meet new audiences and, and get into different niches. So it's mm-hmm. a it's a great tool, man. It's been I was inspired by these two nineteen year old dudes and they freaking like I was like, You guys are nineteen? And they're like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you guys have a podcast with over fifty thousand views. Are you kidding me? Wow. And they're like, Yeah, 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 you should do it. I'm like, I'm doing this now. Like yeah. why do I keep holding back? <laughs> what what's that podcast? Uh the yard work. They're the, out of New York, man. The yard work, okay. Uh they're gotcha. awesome, man. They're great dudes. Gotta check that out. <laughs> so after we turn the recorder off, we'll talk equipment here. I got I got a couple ideas for you. Oh, um, thank you. I need it. <laughs> and that, so I guess if we just go kind of big picture here, you got uh, MLU going, you got the podcast going, and I would tell you that's one of the smartest things you can do from a marketing perspective in terms of getting it out there and getting your vision out there. What are your goals with this? Where are you kind of hoping this goes? Ultimately, man, we want to be worldwide. We want to be in different countries. We want to be just like the number one company that comes out there and i don't even like saying company because i think it sounds just different i like to say like team or um just just people that are there for you yeah um that goes out and impacts kids lives uh, we want to just change the way baseball is looked at there's so much going on with the launch angle and with this velo training and all of this nonsense which in there there's they're the right place for it and some kids need it some kids maybe don't right but ultimately if your mind's not right you're not going to succeed. If your mind's not right, you're not going to transition well from high school to the real world or high school to college or college to the real world yeah. or even pro ball. And I've seen it a lot, man, just being in it. Like a lot of people are broken. A yeah. lot of people are hurting. And to be able to make a dent in that and to help maybe just one kid each week or one kid each month or whatever it looks like, that's that's the gratitude right there, man. That's the reward for all this. So we're going to be everywhere, man. We're going to be branching out and, and eventually we're going to be worldwide. Um, but for now, we'll keep uh, we'll keep working. <laughs> but for now, yeah, you'll do the Reno Sports Podcast. So hey. wh- where, where can people find you? How can people f- follow your stuff? Um, well, for MLU, you can go to Instagram at Major League University. Um, also on Twitter at Major University. Facebook, we've got Major League University on there. All platforms, man. Buy their bombs, show on uh, soundcloud and apple podcasts so both platforms they're running and then uh, majorleagueuniversity.com and then if you want the personal uh just at austin byler on all platforms pretty simple pretty easy <laughs> awesome a lot of different stuff so austin uh dude truly appreciate you coming on and speaking candidly about your journey i think that is what's gonna get you to where you want to go right you know that authenticity and, and that honesty so I appreciate you making the time, and, and congrats on everything you got going. It's awesome. No, oh, thank you, Nathan. Man, this was awesome. Just come on your show, man. Be a part of the Reno, the Reno crew, and, and really just get this thing kicking off, man. So, thank you for having me on. Really appreciate Austin coming on. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as as much as I did. Uh, that was a lot of fun, and <laughs> I, I I said at the end of the conversation I was going to give him you know, some podcasting advice. I think we talked for like 30 minutes after we were recording. So look for the Byler Bombs podcast to make a jump now in the podcast space. Uh, really great having him on. We'll transition, hard transition now, talking hoops uh, with Zane Meeks, the most, I don't want to say the most recent, but he is the second signee for the in the Steve Alford era. 
before we get there, need to show some love to Silver and Blue Outfitters. Silver and Blue Outfitters is locally owned and operated by a Nevada graduate. It is the spot for officially licensed Nevada apparel. You can hear our conversation with owner Mark Gladowski on episode, what number, Adam? Oh, God. Oh, no. Episode 023 is that conversation (laughs) with Mark Gladowski. Uh, Click around their website. You you guys can get those sick JaVel McGee or Ramon Sessions throwback jerseys for 80 bucks right now. And that is a steal. Uh, You can pick those up either at the Meadowood Mall or campus locations, or you can visit silverandblueoutfitters.com. This month, as we do every month, we're giving away a $100 gift card to Silver and Blue Outfitters, so you can pick up that jersey for yourself and, and then some. And we're doing it different this month. We're doing a contest on Twitter. All you have to do is go over to our Twitter, at the Reno Slant, pinned to the top of our profile is a graphic, the $100 gift card giveaway. We put it out there last week, and you guys went bonkers over it. <laughs> it went absolutely bonkers. So all you have to do is go retweet that thing to get your name into the running or and or tag two friends. So retweet gets you one entry. Tag two friends gets you two more entries. I will retweet it again from my account, at Shalp Nathan, so you guys can see it again. And we are doing that drawing the last day of the month of May. That's how you can get in the running from that thing. Okay, Zane is 6'9". He's a power forward out from outside Kansas City. He just won a natty playing uh, his, played his final year of high school out in New Hampshire, and he can shoot. I, I was really impressed with his poise, his candor. Um, he, he's going to be one of those guys, I, I think, for Nevada. He can play, and he certainly has his wits about him. So here's our conversation with Zane. Zane, we, we appreciate you making some time to come on the show. You committed last week. What's the, the last week been like for you now uh, with the commitment done? I'll tell you what, man, the recruiting process is, it's very stressful. So, uh, it's kind of been a weight off my shoulders just to know where I'm going and, you know, just kind of being able to relax and enjoy my last couple of weeks of senior year. Yeah. It, it will get to the recruiting process. I mean, obviously you went to Nevada, visited and made your decision pretty, pretty quickly. But before we get there, um, you're wrapping up your senior year at Brewster Academy in New Hampshire. It's a prep powerhouse. You guys won a natty. What have you kind of taken away from this last year, and how, how has it helped you develop as a basketball player, and maybe even a person? Um, it developed me. It helped me develop in so many different ways. You know, uh, Brewster Academy is went thirty four and seven this year, won a national title, like you said, uh, number title or national title number six. You know, I think we've had almost twenty NBA players in the last thirteen years. You know, Donovan Mitchell is one of us. Devontae Graham. You know, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Um, so just the, the competition level up here is insane. You know, we have the number three sophomore in the country. We've got six guys that are signed high major. We've got two more who, you know, have high major offers. So it's every day in and out. It's crazy competitive basketball. Um, it's all, it's almost like college and high school. Yeah. Are, are you recruiting new teammates to join you in Reno yet? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I have told Terrence that, you know, he definitely just come out and take a visit and maybe can convince him, but you know, <laughs> We'll see if we get that one done. For sure. So have, with the uh, amazing pedigree from the school you're at now, have have any of the guys come back and spoken to you at all? Have you gotten to meet any of the guys? Um, No, because they've kind of been an NBA season. That's right. Um, I believe yeah. Jason, our head coach, said something about they do. They try to do a reunion game every three to four years, and okay. I believe that's coming up pretty quickly. I don't know if they set the weekend yet. But there was some talk that they were going to set it for the weekend of the 25th, which is the weekend we graduate. Yeah. Meaning that um, we would get to be here and play with all of them. So 
that'd be, be, that'd awesome. be that'd be that would be incredible yeah. for sure. So you are you're six nine. You're yep. you're a tall dude. At what point uh-huh. growing up did you realize like okay I'm just gonna be unbelievably tall? Um, well, you know, I, I was I was always just generally huge, and I was pretty fat as a kid, to be honest. So growing up, <laughs> Same, I, I yeah. kind of thought, thought football was my calling. You know, okay. I was just huge. Um, yeah, I have really good hands. Um, just grew up, I love playing sports. You know, uh-huh. my daily routine was school, go home from school, go play sports, and you know, go to practice for whatever season it was in, then come back and play some more sports. So I just did everything growing up, honestly. <laughs> do, do you think you got any, any more growth in you, or do you think you, you've maxed out now? <laughs> So I actually had a stress fracture in my right foot last year and oh, not last year, this, or well, yeah, so I guess technically about, yeah. about eight, about eight months ago. And I was at Dark's office and, you know, looked at the growth plates and they're like, no, your growth plates are still wide open. You know, we're not <laughs> promising you, you know, the, a set amount of inches, but they're like, you know, this was last year. He's like, you know, yeah. he's like, you, you could have two to three inches left on you. KD out here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm six two and people tell me I'm tall. And compared to six nine, that, that's just not the truth at all. So, how? I mean, it's tough to for I think a lot of people to wrap their mind around being six nine. Is it tough like traveling? Like getting in a car in a plane? What's your shoe size? Uh, I actually wear size sixteen or seventeen shoe. It kind of depends on the make and what shoe we're wearing. So yeah. it, the shoes are definitely a problem. You know, the internet's a huge blessing. <laughs> I don't know where I'd get shoes if I didn't. Yeah. The internet didn't exist, man. <laughs> for sure. So. Uh, the, the word is pretty much out on you. I mean, as a basketball player, I mean, you can shoot it and that's what everyone's saying. I mean, you shot almost 45% your senior year, which is nuts. Where did your shot come from? And when did you realize, okay, this is going to be a skill set that I certainly have? Uh, well, you know, growing up, I was just kind of always stuck under the basket and, um, my dad played at Hutch Community College, which, and he won a national junior college championship in 1988, uh, touching the Kansas, which is about three hours from where I grew up in Overland Park, Kansas. And he was a really good shooter. Okay. Um, you know, he ended up playing at Cornell and he kind of taught me how to shoot. And growing up, it really wasn't like a big thing, but naturally I just kind of always could shoot deeper than most kids. Yeah. And around my seventh grade year, I really figured out that I could, you know, really, really shoot the ball. And so my dad and I just kind of started working on it and I kind of fell in love with it and, I've always just been kind of a really hard worker, and so I just used to shoot and shoot and shoot. You know, janitors on my old school used to kick me out. Uh, <laughs> we actually have a, a gun rebounding machine at my house back in Kansas City, so uh-huh. I used to just set up and shoot for hours on that. And so it's kind of just been something I got to be good at and I got to be better at, and I mm-hmm. it just kept opening more doors for me. And so I was like, you know, it's fun. I'm good at it, you know. And I knew I was going to be tall, and you don't you don't see very many guys – you know, really above six eight, six nine, they can really shoot it. Right. That there are rumors going around now that college basketball is debating moving the three point line back. It would create more spacing. It would obviously you make it a little bit tougher, though. I mean, have you heard of this? And what would your thoughts be on moving the three point line back? I think it's like seventeen inches. Uh, from, from what I know, I'd say it's a pretty fairly good chance it's going to happen. You know, I'm okay. kind of it's on the inside circles up here, and you know, it's based. It's not assumed, but it's. You know, I'd be I'd be very surprised if it doesn't happen. Right. Um, we played the college lineup here in high school, so you mm-hmm. know, it, it'd be about a it's a footish, a little bit more back, like you said. Um, I can shoot from very deep. I always have. You know, I multiple threes this year with my heels on the volleyball line or behind the volleyball line. Yeah. So I mean, it'd be it'd certainly be a change, but I think it would it would definitely change the game a little bit. I think there'd be a lot more scoring this mm-hmm. year in college. Well, I think for the people who can really shoot, it would 
be an advantage. It's going to create more spacing. You you'll have you know more room to operate. I I can see that for people with you know a shot like yours that even helping. Yeah, um, you know, as a kid, you know, my coach used to get mad at me because I used to, you know, take a few steps behind a few point line because I quickly figured out that, you know, with my range that if I just take an extra step back, that gives me almost a whole another half a second to set my feet and get the shot off. So yeah. the extra spacing is just going to be helpful to me, honestly. Mm-hmm. You you visited Nevada uh, last week. You, you signed before you left. Uh, you were generating interest from a number of programs. As you kind of spoke to, recruiting can certainly be a grind for not only those doing the recruiting, but those getting recruited. So w- what did Nevada and Steve Alford have to offer that some of those others didn't? Uh, well, first of all, you know, I've said this more times. I love Coach Alford and the staff. I absolutely love him. You know, I've met with a lot of staffs, and I, I had not met with one I liked as much as Coach Alford. Oh. Um, second of all, Coach Alford's a great shooter. You know, he's world-renowned for his ability to shoot the ball, and that definitely played a huge part in it. Um, Reno, great town. Love the town. You know, it, it's big enough for me, but not a, a huge overwhelming city like L.A. or somewhere like that. Yeah. The campus is beautiful, brand new, you know, locker rooms, weight rooms, I believe a year old, mm-hmm. you know, the, the support for basketball is incredible down there. You know, you guys sold out, I think 14 or 16 games or something crazy like that last year. Yep. So that was, those were all just easy decisions. And, you know, it's May in, rec- in the recruiting process and, you, you know, you don't really get time to sit and think on things. And I was just like, you know, I, I fell in love with that and I was like, let's just get this done. So it was like a gut thing kind of, it sounds like. Very, very much so. I, I read somewhere, and I want to check with you and see if this is accurate, that you also had visits lined up with Illinois, UNLV, and Washington State, and you just said, uh, was, were those accurate? Oh, I didn't have one lined up UNLV. I was certainly in conversations to get one set up, okay. and that was a case for both of those schools. You know, we were we had dates in mind, or we basically about to set them up, and mm-hmm. I just, you know, I was like, you're not going to waste any time. Yeah. You know? Is it weird? I mean, for for guys who are generating an interest from a number of schools, is it weird once you made your decision, then reaching out to coaches who have built relationships with you and saying, "Hey, thanks, but I'm not going to come play for you." Um, you know, it, it is kind of it's it's not the worst thing you ever done in your life, but the, the weirdest thing is is the, the 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 three days after you get done getting recruited. That's just you know <laughs> you're you're used to your phone just buzzing just basically uncontrollably, and I you know phone calls on top of phone calls, and so. To not have that, it's almost like a weird, eerie silence. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be strange too. Certain people just—it's hard to understand what it's like as a recruit getting recruited by a number of schools. I mean, so you're getting calls like that regularly, texts that regularly. How do you decide which ones to answer, and like, how do you even navigate that? You know, I, I just decided I want to answer everybody. You know, I want to be respectful of everyone else. You know, that these schools are going to come out and offer me. I mean, most schools, you know, it's two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars worth of scholarship they, they're trying to offer you for four years. So I, you know, I want to be, you know, as kind as possible, as open as possible, just to respond to everybody. And you know, if I wasn't interested in them, I would just come out and be like, hey, you know, I appreciate your interest, appreciate your time, but yeah. you know, I'm currently just not looking at you guys. If that makes sense. For sure. Yeah, it absolutely does. Uh, so you're wrapping up your senior year here. Uh, when are you planning on getting out to Reno? Oh, I believe we are, I'm flying out there the 8th, I'm going to kind of get settled the 9th, and we start workouts and summer class June 10th. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's that's very soon here. Very soon. <laughs> uh, it's less than a month now, I believe. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, w- what are the feelings? I'm sure there's some excitement. Is there any nervousness? Kind of what's going through your head? Um, You know, like I said, Brewster was kind of college at high school, you know, not, obviously not college, but... 
you know, we, we certainly got used to the college rigor of things, you know, working out in the morning, then you know, going to school, then coming to shoot after school, then have a practice that night. Yeah. So, you know, I'm definitely excited. I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit of nervousness, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I've done my move away from home already. So. Yeah, that's a good point for a lot of high school kids. It's the first time away from home and you kind of got that one under your belt. So that, that, You'll be walking into it much more prepared, certainly. Yes, and not, not as much snow, which I'm certainly excited about. <laughs> well, knock on wood. There, there's some winters every once in a while where it shows up in Reno. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We're actually supposed to get snow tomorrow. If what? that gives you any idea. Yes. What? Yeah, the forecast calls for snow tomorrow. <laughs> okay, you, you won't get snow in May in Reno. I'll tell you that much. I, I didn't think I was going to get snow in May anywhere in my life, but apparently <laughs> here I am. That's That's bonkers. Yeah, that's that's nuts. Uh, so for, for a lot of people listening, they know, okay, we got this dude. He's 6'9". We know he can really shoot it. Uh, how would you maybe further explain your playing style and, and how you carry yourself on the court? Um, I You know, I, I love basketball. I play it. I, I don't find myself somebody who talks a lot of Neither talk, talks a lot of crap. I've never really been that type of person. But, yeah. you know, I like to play with a lot of energy. You know, I like to get my guys going. Um, the closest player I like to compare myself to, you know, I was more of a Clay Thompson this year. I did a lot of spot up shooting, not too much dribbling. Yeah. I had 38 at the Tilton school and I took, I believe, 11 dribbles. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I really like to compare myself to Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. You know, I, I could pass the ball extremely well. Some I, I didn't do very much this year just because I was not really needed of me. Right. But, you know, growing up in Kansas, you know, I love Kansas, but the Kansas basketball is not you know, out of this world good. So I always draw a lot of double teams almost all the time. And so I got very good at, you know, catching and basically making very good contested passes, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's dropping it down or, you know, swinging it or getting guys wide open for three. See, I, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, so I, I root for the Blazers now that my Sonics are gone. And I got done. I was done with the Joker at the end of that series. <laughs> that dude's vision is unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable, and you know, just you know, he can really pound the ball. And if he's got the ball, and if he, if he has the ball, you know, you better be watching him because he's a pass is liable to come from anywhere. Yeah, crazy, F- fun to watch though, no question. Yeah, very fun to watch. So Nevada, as I'm sure you're aware, um, not going to have a ton of depth in the front court next year, and we'll see what happens with Jordan Brown here. But I imagine you kind of walk into the situation in Nevada. And looking around saying, man, I, I really have an opportunity here to get on the, get on the floor and get some minutes in your, in your freshman year. You know, that was for sure part of the reason why I just committed in time sequence was, you know, I saw a, you know, a level of basketball I would like to play at, you know, definitely a, a need for something that I do very well. Yeah. And, you know, just all that, I was just kind of like, it just fit perfectly. Mm-hmm. So what are some parts of your game outside of your vision and, and outside of your shooting that you really want to develop now once you get on campus? Um, defending the ball screen. You know, that's something that, you know, I've, I wouldn't say struggle with, but it's always been one of my weaker points. You know, I'm not the quickest person I've ever, mm-hmm. I've ever been around. So <laughs> I really need to develop that. Um, rebounding, defensive rebounding, you see a little bit better. Um, I was kind of blessed up here. We had a 6'10", or 6'10", Texas commit, and we had a 6'9", uh, Ohio State commit with a 7-4 wingspan. So rebounding was not something that I was really, you know, tasked with too heavily this year. You sure. know, it's definitely something I did okay. I believe 5.4 rebounds a game. But uh, definitely something I need to improve on. All right. Okay, before before I let you go, we've talked a lot about basketball and your fit in Nevada and your playing style. But who who are you away from the game? What are some things you maybe want the Nevada fans to know about you or maybe some things you do just when you're not playing? Um, I love sports in general. You know, one of my favorite non-basketball sports is football. You know, I grew up playing football. Um, I didn't get to play it in high school. 
I didn't play the after my sophomore year in high school. Basketball kind of took over. Um, you know, if there was a professional seven on seven football league, you know, I feel like that'd be my real calling. <laughs> I just, I love football. Um, don't like getting hit as much. So that was kind of the downside <laughs> to that. But, you know, I, I've played every sport growing up. I love them all. You know, anything outdoors, I'm totally fine with. I'm not somebody who can sit inside and watch Netflix for four hours. Yeah. You know, I get through one or two episodes and I'm like, all right, I need to go outside and do something. I need to go be outside. So not a Game of Thrones guy. No, no, I have not watched a single episode. People are always talking about it, and I'm just like, it's like, I don't know how many seasons it is. I think it's six seasons. I'm like, dude, that would take me two years to catch up on. It's a running joke on this podcast because I have completely caved to peer pressure. I've never watched a single episode, and I'm on Twitter enough now. It's like, I'm watching the summer. I can't, yeah, I can't really, take seriously. it anymore. <laughs> so yeah. are you, uh, so football fan, college or NFL? NFL, Chiefs, baby. Kansas oh, that, City, I'm a huge Patrick sense. Mahomes fan. Oh, hard not to be a fan of him. I had him on my fantasy team this year, so I was a big fan of him this year. <laughs> yeah, he actually, he, yeah, I've, I've seen him throw live a few times. It is, it's unreal. It's oh, like some, it's just a flick of the wrist that goes 80 yards. How many, uh, so how many Chiefs games have you been to? Oh, 25, 30-ish. My wow. life has season tickets, and whenever I'm in town, I try to get out there. And Arrowhead's, Arrowhead's unreal. You know, it can be, you know, 10 degrees outside, 20 mile an hour winds, and you're going to feel warm at Arrowhead just because everyone's just screaming and everyone, you know, Kansas City's an awesome place. Have you done any, uh, any looking into Nevada football yet? Uh, See what a little up to? bit, little, little bit. I, I did not know Colin Kaepernick played there until, yep. until a few, until I was back on my visit. Yeah, they got, they got a couple dudes for sure. So, uh, will you be going out to games this fall? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I love football. I love watching it. I'll be out there. Awesome, man. Well, uh, we truly appreciate you, you making some time. Congrats again on committing to Nevada. It's a big deal, a big accomplishment, and uh, we're certainly looking forward to seeing you in a Nevada uniform. Yep, I appreciate it. Thank you. It's funny. We talked about Zane, you know, being excited to come to Reno and get away from the, as much snow as there was in New Hampshire. I was like, ah, you know, it still snows in Reno. I actually looked. He said it was supposed to snow. We recorded with him on Monday. He said it was supposed to snow on Tuesday where he was, and I actually checked the weather today, and it did snow there yesterday in New Hampshire. <laughs> it sounds awful. Oh, man, that, that is brutal. Uh, there is no Nevada baseball series this weekend, as we mentioned, but Nevada is going to be heavily, heavily involved, engaged with this San Jose State Air Force series. The outcome of that series is going to basically, not basically, it is going to determine if Nevada gets into the Mountain West Conference Tournament, which is Apicoli in Reno, or if Nevada has to take care of the field between games and not play. That That's going to be the deciding factor. And so we're going to do a quick look at the series. I don't think many of us are going to be watching this series. I will be following along on Twitter. We want to give you guys just a couple things to, to maybe know about the series, and Adam and I will certainly share our predictions as well. Before we get into that, I do want to share with you guys that the last few weeks we've been talking about this fan survey that Nevada put out about the Mackey experience, and because they're trying to, you know, they've heard you guys, they, the attendance issues, they want they want to make it better, they want more people to have more reason to come to games at Mackey. They closed that last week, um, but I was asked to share with all of you guys that the athletic department is incredibly excited about all the engagement. The number of people who participated in that, the feedback they got, that is unbelievably valuable information for them as they try to shape the experience for for you as a fan to give you more reason to come to Nevada Games. The The survey is closed, but if you still have thoughts, uh, you are encouraged to contact Chad Hartley. He's on Twitter, 
at Chad underscore Hartley, or you can find his email and, and send your thoughts there. Um, but for those of you who participate in that thing, fill that thing out. Good for you guys. Kudos. That's how Nevada can help to maybe start writing the ship and start addressing some of these attendance issues. Okay. Air Force, San Jose State. Do you want me to start? Do you want me to explain the, the tie-breaking scenario? Yes. Let's, let's start it off that way. Let's, just get, let's get it out of the way. Okay. So all things considered, it's pretty fascinating that Nevada is in this situation because Nevada is actually in a pretty good spot. As long as there is not a sweep, Nevada is in. If San Jose State wins one game or two games, it's in. If Air Force wins one game or two games, it's in. And by it, I mean Nevada. However, if either of those teams sweep the weekend, Nevada is out. And it's pretty incredible <laughs> and honestly head-scratching that Nevada is, I would say, in a pretty good spot, all, all things considered. It felt like it was over last week. Then they did something they hadn't done all year, which was sweep a Mountain West team. At the start of the year, we kind of just assumed that Nevada would be in the Mountain West Conference Tournament, and, and now they need help. Baseball is a crazy sport. Like it, it feels like, wow, they're in a good spot, but it's also like, man, I can't believe they're in this spot. So you get the, sort of both ends of the spectrum there. So for Nevada to get to the Mountain West Conference Tournament, we're, I, we just need – split the first two games, get it over with. You don't want Air Force of San Jose State to win the first two and it come down to Sunday. Um, but just not a sweep, and Nevada's in. There's the scenario. That's fantastic, because I was doing the math last night. That's dangerous. (laughs) We're not a math podcast. Not a math math podcast. Late in the evening, baseball standings, dealing with half games and stuff. It was just a recipe for disaster. Win percentages. Win percentage, all sorts of stuff going on. My outcome that I figured out of how Nevada was going to get him was nowhere near what you just said. So I'm glad that you just explained okay, it to the, the people. Okay, the fact that you this, okay now we got to explore what you thought it was. Okay, so if you look at the standings right now, <laughs> I'm so excited. I'll get I'll get into it. So if you look at the standings, Nevada's 14 and 16 in conference. Yes. San Jose State is 12 and 15. Okay, so if you look at the wins, the 14 and 12, that's a one game difference. And if you look at the losses, the 16 and the 15, that's a half game difference. But in San Jose State's favor because they have one less loss. So I'm thinking the full game between the the wins and the half game advantage for San Jose State and the losses. So I'm thinking Nevada only has a half game lead. Uh, That's the way I was. I can see that, yeah. So I was looking at that and I was thinking Air Force needs to sweep. And in my mind, I'm thinking this is... (laughs) Yeah, Sit, sitting at the edge of your seat type of stuff. Okay, but. so so he, here's how it is. I mean, so Nevada is 14 and 16, San Jose State's 12 and 15, and Air Force is 10 and 13. Air Force had a number of games canceled this year. If San Jose State sweeps, San Jose State will be 15 and 15. Nevada is 14 and 16. 15 and 15 is obviously better than 14 and 16, so San Jose State would be in. If Air Force sweeps, it'll be 13 and 13. That's better than 14 and 16. It's a 500 win percentage. Nevada is below 500. So then Air Force would get in. If either team, I mean, the best, I don't want to get into those, but those are the best case mm-hmm. scenarios. Those would beat Nevada barely. Nevada does have the tiebreak over San Jose State, not against Air Force. The tiebreaker wouldn't come into this scenario just because they haven't played the same amount of games. But now we're getting way too much into math for not being a math mm-hmm. podcast. Let's just say just no sweep this weekend and Nevada's good. Yep. Okay. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll, be get, we'll be good in that point. I also want to note that we, we already mentioned San Jose State has lost 16 of 17 games. They are 1-16 in, in their last 17 games. 
and they still have a chance to get into the Mountain West Conference Tournament. It's kind of been that sort of year for, for Mountain West baseball. They were in first place for a large portion of the Mountain West season. Um, San Jose State is 19-32 and 32 overall. I mentioned Air Force, 24-25, and 10-13 in, in the Mountain West. Both are fighting for a playoff spot. If either completes a sweep, as we mentioned, they're in. I just cannot believe that San Jose State has played this poorly for this long and is still in position to potentially make the Mountain West Conference Tournament. It's absolutely bonkers. The, la- the last win, or their last win, April 29th, 4-3 win against Oregon. Yeah. But it reminded <laughs> It reminded me of my, I think it was my junior year in high school baseball. We started the season four and one, and we thought we were going to win the conference and everything. And I think we finished that year five and 15 or five and 16 mm. or something. Just real hot start, a real hot finish. Go Beavs. But that's, that's how San Jose State's year has gone on. Um, in this series, it's obviously really big for Nevada. It's going to determine if they're going to get in or not. But I thought I'm giving this series the title, The Battle of the Bad. Ooh. You got the sixth versus the seventh in the Mountain West Conference. And the funny thing about it is, you know, there you go, New Mexico. New Mexico is so bad, they can't even get into the series of the Battle of the Bad. Battle of the Bad. (laughs) To get in. But, I mean, ultimately, it's just funny that this is where the conference is. It's determined to get in. You got these, you got San Jose State, who we've argued shouldn't even be in the conference. You got Air Force, who has been, needless to say, awful. In almost all sports. <laughs> and these are the guys that are going to determine if Nevada is going to you know, get into the Mountain West Tournament in Reno. It's a big factor. But I personally will not be watching the games. I'll be doing more of the stuff that you mentioned, the Twitter watching. But yeah. the, ba- the Battle of the Bad, biggest series in the Mountain West. Air Force is not great, certainly. San Jose State is terrible. Their record on the road this year, 7-22. and 22. They've lost 10 straight road games. Their last road win was April 12th at UNLV. That was over a month ago. It's been over a month since they've won a road game. That's hard to do, to struggle that badly. And we know how tough Air Force, how tough that place can be to play, how tough it can be to win in that yard. That's something Nevada saw a few weeks ago when it gave up 42 runs, dropping two of three a couple weeks ago. Air Force is 11-9 and nine at home for what it's worth and has won 7 of 11. So you got a team that's tough to beat in its home yard, not playing terrible there. And then you have a San Jose State team that is flat-out struggling and then has been atrocious on the road. That makes me a little bit nervous. So we can transition there now to to what are we looking for this weekend. What, what What's something what, as you kind of follow these games that you want to see or that you'll be paying attention to? You know, I would like Air Force to win the first. I would like them to drop the second and then, you know, win the third however you want. I don't really care. But I would just like to get it done and over with. I don't want to be sitting Sunday, you know, needing Air Force to lose or whatnot. I just would like to be, you know, (laughs) Sundays are bad as they are because you're thinking about what's going on in the upcoming week. But Air Force, just don't screw us. Drop one of these games early. It doesn't even matter. Actually, you know what? Drop the first game. I don't even care because I'm confident enough that San Jose State's not going to win the second and the third. So actually, in my best, I just changed it. <laughs> San Jose State, please find a way. I don't care what it is. Pray to whatever you pray to. Find, <laughs> find a way to win game one. The Sunday scaries are going to be at an all-time high 
if Sunday's, one of the if the, one of these teams sweeps and then it's full on off season. It's gonna be the Sunday terrors. <laughs> it's gonna be gonna be a real scary Sunday if one of these teams sweeps this weekend and we're now mm-hmm. looking at the calendar saying uh, how many days till that Purdue football game? <laughs> <laughs> do not we do not want to be doing that already. I don't. I, I just don't want to be there. I can confidently say I'm not worried at all about about San Jose State sweeping this series. I'm not worried about that at all. I am worried about Air Force sweeping this weekend and, and taking Nevada's spot. And if that happens, Nevada is really going to regret, and this is something we talked about after the second Air Force series, really going to regret going 2-4 and four versus Air Force this year. There were some missed opportunities there. If Nevada just splits those six games, just goes 3-3 three and three in those six games, Nevada's got its spot already clinched. Put a bow on it. I'm not going to get into the math, but Nevada would be 15 and 15. It would be fine with the tiebreakers and how it worked. They wouldn't have to worry about it. They'd be set. But because they went two and four against Air Force, because they got swept at home by Fresno when they needed at least a win, it seemed like uh, now we're, we're scoreboard watching. <laughs> we really need uh, these t- one of these teams not to sweep. Um, so. I'm just looking for San Jose State, hopefully, to steal one. It'd be great if they could get game one because I'm not worried about them sweeping. I am worried about Air Force sweeping on its home yard or at its home yard where it's tough to win against a San Jose State team that stinks. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have anything else? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know which way Air Force's field is facing out in Colorado Springs. I am, you know, let's be honest, I'm not going to dig that deep into see which direction that field is facing. But what we saw when Nevada played them, there's a lot of dingers. A lot, a lot of, of extra, a lot of extra. Yeah, okay, we're not saying that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying with the wins. So I don't know which way the which way it's lined up, but I am going to be praying, hoping that the wind is blowing in because as we saw, Air Force can hit dingers. San Jose State can't. Yep. So we need anything to our benefit that's going to keep Air Force within reason because as we just saw, San Jose State dropped the series against three games against Nevada mm-hmm. where all three games had three runs. Air Force can obviously put up more runs than that, especially yep. when you're playing up there. So pray to the wind gods. I don't know what his name is. Windy. Windy. <laughs> that the winds are blowing in this weekend. That was exactly where I was going to go next as well. San Jose State team, San Jose State does not have a scary offense. They did hit two dingers last weekend. They entered the weekend with nine. Test them. Test them. My guess is that would have been – the first, if not the first, and the second time this year where they've hit more than one home run in a weekend. I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> so they're obviously going to have to score runs to keep up this weekend. Air Force is going to score runs. They're at home. How many runs can San Jose State score? Can they keep up? I, I think that that's what I'm going to as well. So now let's get down to it. What's going to happen? I think San Jose State is embarrassed off last weekend, I think they're going to somehow muster out a last winning game. Last weekend, the last month and a half. Well, I mean, the whole. I mean, if you want to get to it, the last two thirds of the season, it's been the whole, awful. The whole athletic department, the whole school, the <laughs> athletics, everything's did. Academia is awful. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, I think they find out a way to win game one, and okay. then Air Force says, "What the heck is this?" San Jose State's winning in Colorado, and they win game two and game three. Last week, I didn't think Nevada could do it. You didn't either, in fairness. I thought, they, I thought they'd get two of three, and they'd be done, and they this weekend wouldn't even matter for them. This week, 
I still have a hard time seeing it. This San Jose State team has been so freaking bad. You cannot overstate how bad they've been. They've lost 10 straight on the road. It's hard for me to ignore that. It feels like Air Force playing at home, playing on senior weekend, playing for a spot to get in the Mountain West Conference tournament, that they're going to get it done. I think Air Force is going to sweep San Jose State this weekend. Unfortunately, that would mean Nevada is watching the Mountain West Conference tournament at Piccoli. I would love to be wrong for a second straight weekend, but I'm terrified of how terrible San Jose State is right now. Everybody, make sure to tweet at Nathan the middle finger emoji after you hear this this episode. Do it. Bring it on. (laughs) Okay, let's get to slants. Adam, you crushed your first read in Reno slant history last week, so we're going to let you do it again. Uh, Take it away. I almost said ended on a high note. But (laughs) if you are looking for some fitness motivation, you need to check out Jake at Move Mint Nutrition in Reno. Like I said last week, and verified if you are in Sparks, he could also do you in Sparks. He's going to do you in Sparks. That's what she said. Jake (laughs) will work with you on custom fitness and a nutrition plan. He provides sustainable weight loss that allows you to eat what you want and when you want it. The plan is practical and proven. We strongly, the Reno Slant, strongly encourage you to check it out today. Visit Move. Mint, M-I-N-T, nutrition.com, or call 775-538-5555. Very nice. I've actually, Tara's been bugging me about getting in touch with Jake because he she wants him to do some meal plan, meal prep stuff for. Dude, the stuff the stuff, actually, the stuff works. I know. I you always picture our friends in the before and after pictures, and it's like, okay, maybe I do. <laughs> We're talking about on the podcast. I don't know everyone else check it out. Like, we, we should probably... We should probably do it, but you've <laughs> you've done it though. I've done it. I did lose weight. I got thinned up, yeah. but as you know, I am a lazy person, and a, you know, I reverted. But bulked for anybody up. who has you bulked during cutting season, you know, it's a common mistake. My whole life's a bulk. I struggle <laughs> to fit any it's cutting bulking in season. Yeah, <laughs> in the middles. <laughs> All right, uh, games of the weekend. What, what are you looking for this weekend? Well, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Yeah, Portland at Portland at Golden State. On well, this is going to air Wednesday night, Thursday. So it's going to be late Thursday at six p.m. You know, Golden State kind of did their way with Portland. They got a couple times they kind of eked back in there, but you know, Golden State did what Golden State does at Oracle. You got the Raptors at the Bucks on Friday at five thirty, and I also wanted to give a quick Mariners update because we have we have not mentioned them in a while. So oh, suck it, A's. At least we at least we played the A's. Yeah, whatever it is. Those, this one I checked it when I was writing my notes last night. Obviously, I think they did. They have a game last night. I think they did, but yeah, whatever they it was, played the sweep. Oh, there we go. But they were sitting at twenty-one and twenty-three. They're seven and a half back in the West. They're three and well, obviously, if we're going to get another game, so they're four and six, whatever in their last ten. They're three and seven when I wrote my notes. Mariners gonna Mariner, dude. They Good. S- they suck. <laughs> I was thinking about how. In the beginning of the season, I was actually watching games. You know, we have the MLB TV. I was tuning in. I was seeing everything. And it was that, you know, that stretch when they played the Astros and the Indians. Yeah, it fell and, apart. And there was a, yeah, and then it just completely fell apart. But that that's the uh, the Reno Slant Mariners update. So, uh, regarding the Mariners, as far as I'm concerned, baseball season doesn't really start until June. As much as I lo- hate to love the Mariners, I really don't start paying attention until June. Um, well, 
if history is going to tell us anything, June's when they fall apart. So if they're, and then they're already falling apart. Uh, yeah, they fell apart in May. It is funny. They got off that 13 and 2 start before sweeping the A's. They were 19 and 23. That means they went 6 and 21. Go in the next baby. 27 games. Yeah, Go I mean, the, the games of the weekend are obviously the conference finals we got going on. It's super mm-hmm. cool, by the way, that Portland is in it. I'm not going to pretend to be a dire Blazer fan. Not to love the Zers, but I do pay attention to the playoffs. Uh, Dame and CJ are so much fun to watch. It's their first time in the conference finals since 2000. They're playing with house money at this point. Even with KD out, let's be real, the Warriors are going to sweep this series. The yeah. Warriors are, are going to win in four. They might even be better with KD out because you got the whole, we were good before KD. We can be just as good, if not better, even without him. We don't need him to be awesome. So they got, now they have it's us versus the world thing. Now they have additional incentive, which is exactly what the Blazers did not need. Uh, the Warriors are going to sweep that series. The other, I say, what? I was say, I will say this, just as a side note, keep this in mind. I am currently holding on to a future ticket that has the, has the Zers at 50 to one to win it all. Really? I am currently have that in my possession. 50 to 1? How much you throw on that? Through 20 bucks. When? Uh, it was in the first series. I Damn. can't remember. I can't I can't remember exactly who they were playing, but not a math podcast. What's that payout? Uh, bucks? Yeah, it's 1000 bucks. Well, that would be or nice. Oh wait, no, no. Yeah, 50 to 1, 20 bucks. That'd be nice. Ch- hey, you know, I wouldn't be mad. The other on the other side in the Eastern Conference, Raptors Bucks is a ratings nightmare. Um, the NBA can't be thrilled that in the conference finals they have Portland, Milwaukee, and Toronto. Like, <laughs> oops. A- at least Milwaukee has Giannis. Toronto yeah. has the most boring superstar ever in Kawhi. Portland at least has Dame. So you got some big names. That's what the NBA does, but those aren't as far. I mean, Toronto is a big city, but those aren't huge draws. Right, Philly would have been a big draw. Boston would have been a big draw. Uh, Philly, Milwaukee, or Portland, Milwaukee, Toronto is not. And so now it's like, what is the NBA rooting for right now? Are they rooting for Golden State, Milwaukee, or Golden State, Toronto? Well, the last thing they want is Drake all over the channel dabbing everybody up on the sideline. That is what they want. I mean, that that is that is the appeal for Toronto. Well, it's appeal for Toronto, but the NBA is saying, are we now going to have Drake be the face of this NBA playoffs? And I would say Adam Silver is in his office saying, crap, I do not want that. I would say he does want that. I mean, that's another reason to watch games. You have a superstar who's promoting your brand. I would say that's a good thing for him. I would say the NBA probably wants Milwaukee. Um, You would probably take a bit of a ratings hit, maybe Toronto versus Milwaukee. But at least you have Giannis, and he's being sold as the next face of the of the NBA he is the guy who's different from the current superstars, who's not whiny. He's not always mad or upset with the mm-hmm. situation. He's a guy that the NBA certainly feels good about, and he's literally a freak. He is fun to watch. I think the NBA would rather have Golden State, uh, Milwaukee, and then Golden State wins that series again because yeah. they have Draymond Green or they have Iggy who can who they can put on Giannis. I mean, they don't have the traditional five slow guy. I mean, they have a couple athletes who, who they can put on him. And could you imagine being a Toronto fan? How many of the last couple of years where they've been the one, two, whatever, even the three seed, and they haven't been able to close it out at all? The, being, a, being a Raptors fan has got to be tough. I'm going to say that. Because they've, they've been in it 
mm-hmm. in the last couple of years, and it's they luckily they had the whatever four bounce shot to God, win the that last. Buzz, yeah, that buzzy beater was insane, absolutely bonkers. I, those found people, myself, like, I found myself rooting for Philadelphia in that series. Uh, I in my mind, I wanted them both to lose. Like they're weird. Like the the Sixers are weird. Like you don't really know what they are. Embiid is hurt. He's shoot. sick. He's healthy. He's hurt. He's crying. He's happy. Like what is going on? Simmons came and shoot a basketball. Nobody knows. You got yeah. Butler comes out of nowhere all of a sudden, and just takes over the team, and then sometimes he can't even make anything. Yeah, they they were Butler in there too. It's a weird team, but like it's it's dramatic, and that's what the NBA kind of sells, like the drama. Yeah, yeah. Like because this this off season we're about to go is gonna be insane i i'm truthfully just as excited for the offseason as i am for how this thing finishes i mean if portland can make a run then i'll be probably more be more excited about that but this offseason is going to be fascinating to see what happens with Kyrie and kd does lebron op- try to get out of there i mean it's going to be really interesting while we're recording here at 6 30 on a wednesday uh raptors up 59 51 at halftime game one you're gonna have zion you're gonna have zion playing for the pelicans next year or does he go back to duke his hired agent. Good, you know, honestly, I did not even think about that. Okay, let's did get to even... let's get to pro dudes here. Uh, we'll start talking soccer. Reno, eighteen sixty eight FC. Uh, what's going on? Reno, eighteen sixty eight. Their forward Corey Herzog. Yep, he was voted the team. He was voted the USL team player of the week for the second week of. Or, oh my gosh, this is what you happens know, to Adam talk soccer. I talk soccer. I just start fumbling over myself. But anyways, he's a team player of the week. Second week of the row. Second week in a row. My gosh, I just need to shut it down for the year. I'll talk soccer next week. <laughs> anyways, but he had two goals against uh, the Sacramento Republic FC. Helped the team win 4-1. They have had I – mean, I was looking at the schedule. They have had a lot of draws, so the win was nice. Especially at 4-1, it's a pretty, uh, pretty definitive victory. Yeah, it was the second straight game now that Herzog has scored two goals. Uh, the 4-1 win was nice. Obviously a rivalry game. Donner Pass Derby. Sacramento went up one nothing in that thing. And then Reno scored uh, the next four. So it's really nice to get three points in the bag. And Reno's all-time leading scorer, Brian Brown, he scored his sixth goal of the season. Reno is now 4-2-4. and They're tied with Fresno for third in the 16-team Western Conference which is crazy, and now Reno is going up to mild stopping grounds on Saturday playing Tacoma at Cheney Stadium, home of the Tacoma Rainiers. Uh, the, the, uh, the Aces play there frequently. They're playing the Defiance, and the Defiance have been defiant of one thing this year, and that's winning soccer games. They are terrible. <laughs> they are 2-9, do not have a draw to their credit. They've lost six straight, and they have a goal differential of minus 26, which is right dead last in the USL. Right where they want to be. Yeah, so you'd hope that Reno can pick up three more points this weekend. Was there anything else you wanted to do, or do you want to fumble over yourself some more? I'll get a little cameo to, okay. or a little pro, player profile to Brent Richards, coming from Camus, Washington. One of the Ooh, papermakers. Yep, Camus papermakers are right in our neck of the woods. He's 28. Uh, it's his third season with the club. He's got, I mean... I'm not going to pretend to know what a clearance is, but he has 122 of them. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a lot. He's got 16 blocks, 73 interceptions. Uh, He's a University of Washington alum. Oh, go dogs. Exactly. Go dogs. That's what I was looking at. Camus, dogs. He's got a bunch of stuff. He was, you know, first team capped. He was first team capital one academic all team. 
Uh, I believe that was in 2011. He was scholar athlete of the year. So basically in Washington, he had a, you know, really good stellar season. But the other thing too, this is going back to my dumb brain. When I was looking at their schedule, oh, I got God. super, I got super excited for a brief moment because I saw they were playing at, I think it's called PG&E Park now. In Portland? And I said, yeah. And it said verse Portland Timbers. And I was like, Ooh. oh no, I was like, no way. 1868s are playing the Timbers. Yeah. You're an and idiot. small, in su- small scrubs, subscripts is like Portland Timbers. Two. Two. And I was like, God. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're an should, idiot. Should have flown up for that weekend. But yeah, Brent Richards, he's the player profile the week I got. Okay. I, I like that. You should we can do every week you can do a player profile and then we can do Adam tries to figure out what a soccer stat is. So this exactly. week was clearances. Somebody yeah, somebody tweeted at me each week what a term is, because yeah, clearance, I was I was clueless on that. I mean, I, I feel like it's pretty self-explanatory, but I don't want to sound too stupid, so we'll just move on to Reno Aces. <laughs> uh, since last week's show, when we're like, yeah, they haven't been playing so great, but they're right there. Since last week's show, they've lost seven straight games. Seven straight. Uh, they're they're off tonight, I believe. They're now 14-25. and 25. It's last in the Pacific Northern Division. Uh, so not a good week for the home nine if you're listening to this on Thursday morning, Thursday, Thursday is tonight. It's my favorite night to go to Aces games. $2 for a Coors Latte. You, are you going? I think you said you're going to try to start going to some games. That would be a good game yeah. to go to. Yeah, that's what I was going to talk about. I'll, I'll, I'll get into it, but I'll be there Thursday, yeah. Okay. All right. What, what, what do you got? Oh, so I'll get into it. Yes, I will be there Thursday. <laughs> it is the Thursday, Thursday. that They got the great drinking deal. So if you see me, say what's up. Um, actually... Friend of a friend scored us some tickets, so I was gonna be sitting out in the lawn, which you know I'm not mad about because I like those seats. But yeah. I'll be somewhere, somewhere in the home plate area. Oh, you nice. fancy! Oh, you know, big timers gonna no, big time. I mean, if, you, if you're doing it right, you're just parked out in left field by the by the beer. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I think they park. I think they camp. They they folded up after like the fifth inning. I think. So you yeah, gotta I'm get, not, you gotta get your money's worth. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend to say that I don't do that because if I go to an Aces game, that's where I'm at. I'm out in, le- I'm out in left field. Half the time, you know, I don't know. I'm looking at the Eldorado, but. Yep. Look at that view. It's a, yeah. It's like, oh, wait. I just got drilled with a foul ball. <laughs> um, I'm going to do a player profile, not pro- profile, but shout out of my own here. 27-year-old shortstop, Ildemargo Vargas. Uh, he's been up and down this year. It looks like I stole Adam's point. Uh, he's played 26 games with Arizona. He's played four with the Aces. The other night, though, he got his 400th career hit, so he's now the all-time hits leader for the Aces with Reno this year. I mean, obviously, very small sample size. He's batting 733. He's 11 for 15, which is uh, ridiculous, even even with that small of a sample size. His OPS on base plus slugging is 2.133. 2.133. Uh, so obviously he'd prefer to be with the big club, uh, but he's making the most of his time here in Reno because those numbers are, uh, ridiculous. You weren't lying. You had my last point. That was literally, I'd written down the new hit King. So, (laughs) all right, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up talking aces here, uh, by sharing that, uh, starting tonight, if you're listening Thursday, starting Thursday night, if you're listening on Wednesday, starting last night, if you're listening Friday, and so on. You guys get the idea. Nine of the next 13 are at home. So it's a five-game series versus Tacoma, the Mariners' AAA squad. Then they play four at El, pa- El Paso. Then they come back for four more against Vegas. So we talked about a big stretch of home games coming up. 
uh, for Reno, and here we go. Nine of 13 starting Thursday night. So if you have not been to an Aces game yet, um, I'd recommend going Thursday for Thursday, Thursday, uh, but you'll have plenty of options coming up here. We'll get into social now. As always, thank you to all of you who sent questions. and We got some really fun ones, as we always do from you guys this week, and we got some serious ones. So we'll start with questions that we got on Twitter. Um, I always put it out on my Twitter account, at Nathan. You can certainly follow us, the podcast, on Twitter as well, at The Reno Slant. Clark asks, will hashtag Operation Packback be able to finish up their strong performance and get Jordan Brown back in a Wolfpack uniform? So this is obviously relevant because Lindsey Drew announced Tuesday that he will, in fact, be returning for his senior season and Jordan Brown is the only one left in the transfer portal. J- Jalen Townsell is in there as well, the Spanish Springs grad who walked on last year. Doesn't seem like Jalen will be back uh, with uh, roster spots, scholarship spots really starting to go now. Ideally, Jordan Brown would have pulled his name already and announced that he's returning to Nevada. Ideally. But he's generating big-time interest, and it's, it's clear that he, at least his dad, at a minimum, his dad's been out in the media a lot. His dad at least is going to check it out. Jordan Brown uh, being in his best interest, certainly, to at least see what's out there. Uh, so you got Shamil Stevenson. He's transferring to, to Nebraska. And that leaves the front court awfully thin. I mean, basically at this point, you have K.J. Himes, redshirt freshman, and Zane Meeks going to be a true freshman. So Jordan Brown coming back is even more important now for this squad. Um, I still think he's going to be back. With his clear goal of getting to the NBA, Nevada is the best path for him because it means he does not have to sit out next year unless he's getting ideas that he can go to a school, redshirt, or, or sit out for a year, develop, and then maybe get drafted the next year. I don't know if he's thinking that would be a possibility and somewhere else he can develop more. Um, but if he goes somewhere else, likely he'll be three years removed from high school before he enters the NBA draft. And this is someone who said in high school he wanted to be a one-and-done. And if he transfers somewhere somewhere else now, that means you're going to be at a minimum three years out, likely. Um, so I just think it makes too much sense for him to come back to Nevada. You don't have to sit out a year. This is a position of need now. He's going to get a ton of minutes. Steve Alford has had success with Biggs. I, I just believe he'll be back. And now he has literally everyone. I mean, a couple guys left. But basically everyone now, I'm sure, texting him, blowing him up, being like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? So I expect him to be back next year. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, it's pretty much the same point is that now it goes to the – you look at the minutes he got last year, and obviously it's probably not as many as he would have liked it to have It definitely had. wasn't, yeah. Definitely wasn't even close. But at this point now, with the depth too, it's – I mean, he, if he, if that happens, he's walking away from a starting starting rotation, you know, mm-hmm. obviously probably not playing the 39 minutes or whatever that must <laughs> – yeah. Musted with his with his starting rotation, but yeah, no, I pretty much agree with what you were saying. Is he's going to get a ton of minutes? He's going to start, and he's going to play for a team that is going to compete for a Mountain West Conference title. It appears on paper. So you're going to have it, and you you're playing some Pac-12 teams next year. You're going to get that exposure. You have a chance to make the NCAA tournament again. You don't have to sit out a year. I just think it makes a lot of sense for him to come back to Nevada. Recruiting is freaking weird, though. As I said a number of times, who knows what happens. Um, but it's certainly going to be something to follow here. Uh, Fake Matt Mummy, which group of current Mountain West football coaches could we turn to become the Avengers if we needed them to team up and save the world? 
Do you want to say it or am I going to say it? Neither of us have seen the Avengers, so none of us know what coaches would play what role. <laughs> We're not a movie podcast either. This, I, I feel like it's an inside joke now that like everyone who listens to this podcast and asks us questions just thinks it's funny to listen to us labor or the fact that we don't watch movies hardly ever. Um, so I'll go Jay Norvell in the pencil mustache versus the world. Um, but as far as who plays what character, uh, I don't know. Tony Sanchez can be Ant-Man. Is Ant-Man in the Avengers? I know there's a movie about him, but I, but I don't know if he's actually in the, okay. the final <laughs> and, battle or and, whatever it's called. And uh, that's the Reno Slant talking movies. Uh, JCF asked a few questions, some, some good ones and some funny ones. Uh, so we'll start the first one here. With having a lot of days off between now and hopefully the Mountain West Conference tournament, if they make it, do you think TJ Bruce, Nevada head baseball coach, adjusts the starting rotation at all? We talked about it was really nice seeing the starters have put together really three nice outings last weekend. It's been a while since we've seen all three put together solid starts. Ryan Anderson and Owen Schartz in games one and two are really starting to settle in a little bit the last couple games. Jake Jackson has been really inconsistent this year. I don't think he ever really got back after the, the injury to start the year. Um, so maybe, if anything, you move him to an extended relief role. Um, but I don't know if you mess with it this time of year. As we mentioned, the bullpen's been spectacular. If you want to do a by-committee start, that's usually what you do towards the end of the tournament because these game, the conference tournaments are more or less a battle of attrition with how many games they play in a short amount of time and how taxed your, your squad gets. And this is what John Ramey talked about when he's been on the show a couple times. Is Nevada is in a, If Nevada can get in, they're in a good spot because their bullpen is lights out. Um, the question becomes, I, I guess, in regards to moving the starting rotation around, do you have someone like Grant Ford start a game and then you burn him for the entire weekend? Or is it better to have someone like Grant Ford come out of the bullpen and you can maybe use him in a couple tough situations in different games, maybe get three games depending on how many pitches he throws? Um, I will say this. Maybe we'll have someone on next week who can answer that question. Maybe. Uh, JCF also asks... If you were to run a 100-yard race against Nevada wide receiver Melquan Stovall, how many yards would you need? Uh, how many yards would you need to spot you? How many yards would he need to spot you? We're not a reading podcast either. For a chance of winning, how many yards what, would you need? What, what's his? For, did it say what his 40 time is? I've no. Oh no, it's not listed uh, here. Uh, he for can fly yard, though. For a hundred yard, I'm gonna guess I'm gonna need somewhere between. You know, if my if my hips are still intact, I used oh, to. Oh Jesus! Back in the day, no. I'm so we, we've got I, you talking about your high school baseball career. Now talking <laughs> about how fast you were. This is great. Locker for, wide for, open right now. For, for, yeah, for anyone who's wondering, that locker that locker is still wide open for anybody who wants to talk about it. Um, I'm gonna guess fifteen to twenty yards. Wow, that's not very many. That, that's a lot of confidence. I wish we need to set this up. Well, I mean. We need to you dude, you need more than that. We'll see. Give me give me on the hundred yard dash. When's the, when's the last time you sprinted a hundred yards? That's actually a good point. Hundred yards is a long way. I'm more thinking forty fifty. I'm gonna guess actually I'm gonna readjust that answer. I'm gonna say I'm gonna need twenty five to thirty. I didn't decredit my my body deteriorating. Yeah, twenty five to thirty somewhere in there. I cannot tell you the last time I sprinted hundred yards. I can tell you fairly confidently I'd probably throw up. Um, well, even mean, when I was doing them, what what were they called in high school football? Were they, like burners? No, they were. Well, 
can't remember what they called the Monday was called Blood Mondays. Blood Mondays, yeah. When you do th- was it thirteen of them you had to do hundred yard sprints. You had to do thirteen, and they if you were a special, you had to be under thirteen seconds in each one. Yeah. Otherwise, you had to run an extra or something like that. So it's it's been a long time since, so and you do it in pads then, which which was terrible. But even then, I was not fast. I've never been fast. I am not a fast runner. Can I'm, vouch for that. I'm embarrassed by this number. I would probably go something like 40, 45 yards. I'd say I'd say that's spot on. <laughs> I'd I'd even say throw a couple on there. Five ten extra. You might need it. Uh John also asks, it's mid July in Vegas. Oh God. Would it be possible for either of you to carry your golf bag for thirty six holes and break ninety on both rounds? Consecutive rounds, thirty six holes in one day. I can't even break ninety if I'm in a cart. <laughs> so <laughs> The the question would be, can you break 120 if you're carrying your on both rounds? Okay, carrying a golf bag. What am I, a caveman? I don't understand people who do that anymore. Like, if if I'm going golfing and they say, hey, you got to carry your bag. Well, guess what? I'm not going golfing with you. I'm riding yes, in a car. I'm not carrying. There's nothing more frustrating, nothing more frustrating than carrying your golf bag, and then you start getting tired, you start getting hungry, you start flubbing some shots. You got to pick your bag up, and you got to go walk thirty yards up. You got to pick your divot up, and like it's the worst. Not yeah. only thirty thirty yards up, forty yards to the left or to the right. It's you're on the wrong fairway. You got the group waiting for you now. Sorry. Then you flub that shot. You hit a tree. You're picking your golf bag. You golf ugh, the worst. That said, no shot, no shot. Am I carrying my golf bag? I I, I think that's how you die. That's a death wish. Carrying your golf bag. For 36 straight holes in the middle of July in Vegas. Ugh. Terrible. I could give you a long list of things I'd rather do than yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Clark asks, are you aware of any recruiting target for Nevada basketball? If so, who would be your number one target and who do you think has the best chance of ending up with the pack? This is not going to be a sexy answer. It's something I've said a few times. I pay Basically zero attention to Nevada recruiting. Basically zero. Once there's an official visit scheduled, then I start kind of clicking around and seeing, okay, what's going on? Is this legit? Who? I start looking into the kid, see if I can maybe watch some clips or something. But I don't pay any attention before then. I can't tell you who's been offered. I can't tell you who Nevada's watching. It's just for me. It's just it's not an interest. I know for a lot of people it is, but it's like why am I spending time looking at this kid who more than likely is not going to end up here. It's just not, not not a great use of time for me. That's how I feel a little bit about it. What I can tell you is that Steve Alford is almost assuredly looking at trying to get a big man grad transfer on campus. We've talked about the front court depth, especially if JB does decide to transfer. Uh, they, they will need simply a body in there because that leaves you with a redshirt freshman and a true freshman. So whoever is on that list of grad transfer big men, I would say Nevada is probably taking a look at them. <laughs> uh, Blake asks, so when you guys are recording next week, will we be talking about Nevada as a four seed in the Mountain West Conference Tournament? I've already said I don't think so. I think Air Force is going to sweep. Adam, you think that we will be talking about it? Hundred percent. I hope so. I would love to be do. I would love to do a Mountain West Conference Tournament preview show next week as opposed to a Nevada baseball recap. That that's what I would prefer to do next week. Uh, we got a few questions on Instagram as well. If you aren't following us on Instagram, we would certainly recommend it to a way to stay up to date with uh, what's going on with the podcast. Havasu Jorge, great handle. Excited about Drew coming back. However, what does your gut tell you about Brown's decision and when it will happen? I've already mentioned that I believe that he will be back. It makes the most sense, I believe, for what his goals are. 
And I think this is obviously this. He's the last one in the transfer portal. I think this is going to end relatively soon. I think before we hit June, we'll know one way or another. He's talented enough that schools will will want to have a decision one way or another as they try to figure out rosters and scholarships. If you're Nevada, it doesn't make sense to rush him or push him. Um, so Nevada will be patient, but I, I think that by the end of May, we'll have something, and that's truly just a gut feeling. I, I have no information there. Marcus asks, what MLB pitcher would you want to charge on the mound versus be afraid to charge the mound against? You got the two, there? The two I'll tell you I'd be afraid of, one, David Wells, <laughs> two, Roger Clemens. Oh, those, are the two I'd be, those are the two I'd be afraid of. Okay. You got one that you'd want to charge? One that I'd want to charge. Oh, what is it? I can never pronounce his name. He was the Mariners' closer. There was Chisick or Sishik or... Steve Sishik, dude. He's the nicest dude. I don't care. He was awful, and I'll punch or, him in yeah, the I think, face. I think it's Sishik. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was like announcers... You know, what Wayne announcers would pronounce it wrong every time. Mix me up. Anyways, I don't care if he's the nicest guy in the world. I don't care what he does. I'm socking him in the face. He was awful. He blew so many. He blew so many leads. Uh, the dude I do not want to charge the mound against is Araldus Chapman for a couple reasons. One, if I'm charging the mound against Araldus Chapman, that means I'm standing in the box against Araldus Chapman, and he's throwing <laughs> 104, and I want no part of that. That's the first part. The second part, that's just a bad dude. Like I don't mean that like bad. Like wow, that, no, he's actually a bad dude. Like domestic violence, guns. Like he has a crazy story. I want no part of that. I want no part of Araldus Chapman. He's he's a monster. Uh, the dude, I guess, that I would be more confident in charging the mound against would be Bartolo Colon. Um, oh, come on. He's, got, uh, he's so he's funny. You're going to punch a teddy bear? I said I'd be confident, more confident against. I didn't say I want to do it. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I mean, I, I don't have a strong urge to go fight any Major League Baseball pitcher right now. But if there's one guy I had to do it against, I would say Bartolo. So how, how embarrassed would you be if Bartolo just knocked you out he one probably, punch? He probably would. Bartolo's a magician, dude. <laughs> I'm, he's probably, I'm sure he would. It's dingers. Okay, let's get out of here on Random Reno. What, what did you find this week? Elvis has a collection of guns and jewels that are housed in nearby Sparks. At Arola Chapman's house? <laughs> Might as well be. <laughs> really? I did. Okay, I didn't. Where did you? I don't know about that one. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to see the sites I'm looking for. Okay. Random Reno. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just put it that way. <laughs> uh, the one I found this week, Lake Tahoe is home i've been doing a lot of lake tahoe lately lake tahoe's got some crazy facts lake tahoe is home to california's first ever underwater state park underwater state park it's in emerald bay it opened in 1994 and basically divers can explore down there and i guess there's a bunch of like old barges and some dumping grounds that are believed to date back to somewhere around the 1800s you say dumping grounds like people just dump stuff in the lake classic so i've never heard of that that would be kind of interesting i guess considering how clear that water is i don't know how deep emerald bay is uh but underwater state park it's interesting california now has 15 of them by the way this is a funny concept people just dumping their crap back in the day and california is like yep state park (laughs) (laughs) 
And that is our show this week. Thank you to all of you who continue to listen and support this podcast. We appreciate every single one of you. Thank you to Austin Byler for coming on and being so candid. Thank you to Zane Meeks for making some time and talking about his commitment to Steve Alford and the Nevada basketball program. Thank you to our sponsors over at Silver and Blue Outfitters, at Tipsy Elves, at Move Mint Nutrition, and over at Toyobi Golf Club. If you want to hit Toyota Golf Club for free with a buddy next week, simply leave us an iTunes five-star review if you have not yet, and maybe we'll pick you at the start of next week's show. If you have not yet, please consider following and subscribing uh, either on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at The Reno Slant. You know we'll be back here next week, same time, same place. Have a great, great weekend, you guys. Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.